Holy Gospel comes to us today on this first week of Advent from the book of Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Matthew chapter 24. Now Jesus said to the disciples, About that day and hour no one knows, neither the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days, before the flood... They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field. One will be taken, one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together. One will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming, but understand this. If the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have left his house, let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and His Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now we live in a time of luxury, so to speak, unless you have a career or a job that forces you to be awake before the the dawn comes. Many of us either wake up to an alarm clock or we just have this natural rhythm about ourselves. We wake up and we have our morning routines. Amen? But there are times in life in which we have the privilege to actually watch the dawn break right before our eyes. And I remember for me, years ago, I remember I was on this motorcycle trip. I was heading over to Minnesota for some continuing education up in the Twin Cities. And when I left the Black Hills, the forecast was 70 degrees. It was beautiful. Yes, I packed appropriately at the time. I packed appropriately for all times, because that is the biker code at the time. And I made it to Sioux Falls, and what we did not expect, because the whole rest of the week that I was going to be in St. Paul was supposed to be in the 70s, what I did not expect was this fluke cold snap that came that night when I woke up in my parents' basement. My dad came downstairs, and he said, you're really going to get on your bike, aren't you? And I said, yeah, Dad, why? What temperature is it outside? He said, it's 22 degrees. I said, well, I better go get all the stuff out of the saddlebag. And he goes, you're an idiot. Words of a father's love, amen? And I bundled up. I put everything on. I had my long johns. I had everything. uh, There's one saddlebag that's dedicated to all seasons of the year. And so I put everything on, and I'm riding on on Interstate 90, heading east. And I discovered that my throttle lock had also fallen out. So I am revving up to 95 miles an hour, letting off the throttle, holding on to the exhaust pipe to warm up my hand, rev it back up to 95 miles an hour, and let go of the throttle and put my other hand on the exhaust pipe just to warm up my hands. And despite how bitterly cold it was, to watch the sun rise, to see the stars in the night sky as black as can be, and to watch the, the, the horizon turn into this deep, profound navy blue, to a blue much like our advent colors around the sanctuary, to this deep purplish red and orange, and to watch all of the colors of the sunrise begging and pleading for warmth. That is advent. Now, the part of advent is not pulling into the 
the truck stop in Worthington, Minnesota and buying every hand warmer that they have on the shelf and stuffing your gloves in it. But what is Advent is watching that sun break the dawn and living into a new day. I'm not going to focus on the Matthew text as much as I'm going to go back to our Romans text this morning. Paul writes this, And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness. That's that word licentiousness that surely read from the NRSV. Let us behave decently, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. And do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. What Paul is reminding us is Paul reminds us who has already come. Paul, like us, is a person after the Easter story. So often in our culture, when we hear these Advent texts, and just like we read in Matthew 24, we get this connotation of Jesus coming again. And Jesus does tell his disciples that I am going to come again. But when Jesus is speaking in Matthew 24, he's talking about the death and resurrection that he has not yet experienced. We, when we read Paul's words... We as an Easter people, we cling to that death and resurrection that has already happened, but we now cling to the words that he is to come again. So for us, Advent is a both and. For us, Advent is the death, the resurrection, but then the coming again. Amen? We are to experience and cling to Christ as he comes again. But how do we live into that? In this Advent season, which has wrongfully been labeled as the season of preparation, it's it's not wrong to say that it's a season of preparation because we prepare for Christ's coming. We prepare for the birth of Jesus Christ. I mean, we do have a manger over here, and in two weeks we will have the children do what children do best. Debate who's going to be Mary and Joseph And then they they come up here and we have the beautiful retelling of the story, which is necessary. We need to remember that story. We need to be prepared for that story. But we are a people that do not cling to the Christ who's coming first time. We are Christian people who cling to the Christ of the second. Amen? So wake up, people. Wake up. Cling to the promise that Christ already gave us. Cling to the memory, the the knowledge of the story that Christ has already come. Christ has already died. And Christ has already risen from the dead. And just like we are on the horizon of I-90 watching the sun come up, begging and pleading for the warmth that might come with it, we too must live our lives in the sense that cling to those promises as though those promises are the sunlight on the horizon. Instead, we often 
live our lives with this mindset, this mentality of you only live once. Uh, what was that coiny, uh, that, that, that cheesy catchphrase of the last decade, YOLO? Anyone ever say YOLO? I mean, even Waldrug has a sign out there that says YOLO. If you don't know what YOLO is, it means you only live once. Y-O-L-O. -O. So next time you go past that Waldrug, Waldrug billboard sign that says YOLO, Waldrug wants you to only live once. And what you, what you should do is you should go get the five-cent coffee. Amen? Life is broader than that. No offense, Waldrug. Life is broader than that. However, for many of us, we take it so far in the other direction. And that is why Paul speaks to what he does. He says, let us behave decently, as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. However, though, in our life, we are so fixated, so fixated on living life to its fullest and so fixated on living our lives almost like it's spring break in Cancun, which, by the way, is the debauchery that Paul is talking about. But it's not just sexual immorality, so to speak. For many of us, it's, it's easy to say, yeah, I, not worry about that. I'm not going to say names, but at men's group on Tuesday morning, when we finally, one, one of the gentlemen said, what does licentious mean, or licentiousness mean, and what do we do? We Google it, right? It means sexual immorality in all forms. One guy goes, do you guys even remember what that's like? For some of us, some of these sins that Paul speaks about is not even a figment in our imagination. But he also reminds us, let us not live lives in dissension or lives of jealousy. Living in lives of quarrel, being in quarrels, arguments, pittiness, picking on each other with words, with actions, living lives of jealousy, keeping up with the Joneses. When we choose that as our calling in life, we're not staring at the sun on the horizon. We'd rather live in the darkness. And that is what Paul is speaking about. That is what Christ is speaking about into this Advent. We have the gift of salvation already given to us. We have the gift of forgiveness, grace, and absolute mercy given to us. The question we ask ourselves is, how do we live into that life? Paul says, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Put on the armor of Christ. Step out into the daylight and live in response to it. So brothers and sisters in Christ, as that light is shining, as that dawn has turned into the day, and you step out into it, what does it look like? The lives we live, what does the life we live look like to others? And this isn't about some works righteousness kind of thing here. I'm not preaching that we must change our ways. When, when Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's saying that, that uh, one will be out in the field plowing and all of a sudden the other one will be gone and the other one will be at the millstone grinding, bread, or grind, grinding the flour for bread and suddenly one of the women will disappear. He's not talking about this rapture mentality that some of our evangelical brothers bring into the story. Any of you that ever left, uh, read the Left Behind series, the word rapture doesn't even exist in the Bible. 
Jesus isn't talking about live your life, change your life, be, uh, create, uh, create yourself the wrong or the, the better dynamic in which we live our lives. He's not saying correct all your problems, though we should do that. We shall be obedient, amen? He's not saying that that is your Advent response. What he's saying is that Christ already did that for you. Jesus is looking at his disciples and he says, I'm going to do that for you. And now Paul, living in response to that, Paul says, I have met the man who has done that for you. That man made me blind on the road, blind to my own sins, blind to my own convictions in life, and now he gave me sight back. And now we live our lives in response to that. Paul set aside all of the violence in his life. He set aside all of the jealousy and the quarrels in his life. And he fixated his life on telling people the story of mercy. Telling the story of forgiveness. And telling the story, you are forgiven, you are changed, so live a life that indeed is changed. Brothers and sisters in Christ, as we begin this Advent journey, life is short. How you choose to live it is vitally important. But as you choose to live it, I, ch I hope and I pray that you choose to live it in a way that mirrors the, your trust in Christ's grace and gifts of promise. Amen? Amen.